0: Uh, Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to uh, CON310, Running Batch Processes on ECS. My name is Asha Chakrabarty, and I'm a solutions architect with AWS. And joining me today uh, to present uh, will be Will White, uh, who's an engineering lead from Mapbox. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk a little bit about some of the Characteristics and challenges of running batch processes. Uh, understanding how ES, uh, why Amazon ES, ECS is compelling for running your batch workload. We'll walk through some recommended design patterns as well as best practices. And Will's going to come up on stage and talk about how they're using, how Mapbox is using ECS to run their batch architectures. So what are some of the uh, challenges of running batch workloads today? So typically, uh, batch workloads tend to be very resource intensive and place heavy demands on both uh, your system and application architectures. Uh, they also typically need to be completed within a certain period of time. And if you're using uh, you know, your, the same infrastructure to r- run multiple batch jobs, one batch job could adversely affect the other uh, if, if it needs more resources, causing uh, uh, bad performance for the other job. You have to be able to scale your infrastructure resources uh, for your batch workload that would probably keep it increasing in size due to, data, due to the increase in data size as well. Uh, and you want to be able to your entire infrastructure that's running your batch architecture you want to be able to utilize each machine to its full capacity and at the same time make it cost effective so what what is it that batch workloads actually need firstly reliability if a job fails it should be automat- that process should automatically be restarted uh, easy development and easy deployment Uh, It's it's very difficult for a development team to actually try and and develop and and test a batch job on their local machine. So providing uh, an environment for them to actually develop uh, your batch system uh, is is key. Uh, Also being able to make sure that you can minimize setup of that environment and boilerplate code and allow for easier deployment uh, makes makes the development cycle of your batch architecture much easier. Higher efficiency, so being able to utilize maybe being able to realize maximum utilization of your uh, infrastructure resources running your batch job uh, and, and nobody likes to be called at three a m in the morning um, due to a failure, so um, keeping a, a automated workflow as much as possible so that you can minimize uh, your operations profile and above all, how do you make sure that you can ensure that you know since you 're running your batch job only for a certain period of time you want it to be cost effective and not have to pay for Uh, infrastructure that you're not uh, using most of the day. So what makes ECS compelling for running a batch processing workload? Well, firstly, ECS actually uh, exposes a state management system via API calls. And you can utilize the the state management system by calling it via ECS APIs uh, to uh, control and monitor your cluster, um, as well as uh, understand state of your cluster. Um, This this particular state management system allows uh, optimal placement from one container to tens and thousands of containers. And it also eliminates the need for you to run, uh, procure, install, uh, and manage your own cluster management software. Uh, ECS APIs provide performance at scale. So uh, I believe a few months ago we actually ran a test where we were continuously calling both list and describe ECS APIs. Uh, in a period, continuously in a period of 72 hours against a cluster of varying size. Um, and I believe at peak we went above 1000 instances, and you can see, um, both the green and red lines represent P99 and P50 latencies, and ECS, uh, basically provided a near flat response. Uh, so ECS will scale, uh, irrespective of your cluster size. Uh, flexible container placement. ECS has two inbuilt schedulers, one for running short lived processes and one for running longer uh, applications. Um, and ECS in- utilizes both of these schedulers to optimally place containers uh, on your ECS cluster. Um, since the uh, state management system is actually uh, provided or exposed to you via ECS APIs, you can actually utilize those APIs to build your custom scheduler as well if you have specific requirements for scheduling. ECS, again, is designed and integrated uh, to work with many other AWS services. So you can uh, launch your ECS cluster that would run all of your containers within a VPC, taking advantage of the VPC's uh, network and security isolation features. Uh, You can utilize EBS, Elastic Block Store, for persistent storage. Uh, All traffic can be routed to your ECS cluster via an, an Elastic Load Balancer and uh ECS integrates with IAM and uh CloudTrail for audit management uh and uh, uh access uh, capabilities respectively Um, And so just like i mentioned, uh, when you run your ec2 instances in a vpc, you can utilize uh, security groups as well to control the traffic um, and and access to your ecs cluster. Uh, And you can also use iam access policies to make sure that uh, you know who has access to your ecs cluster and what they can do with that cluster and your other ecs resources. So a few key fundamental components of ecs uh, are tasks, containers, uh, clusters and container instances. So let's talk a little bit about what each of these mean. Firstly, tasks are essentially a grouping of related containers. And you can essentially run as many tasks on one instance uh, as, as will fit. So that, kind of, that dictates what dictates how many tasks can run on an instance is the instance type that you choose. Uh, And a task essentially is an instantiation of something known as a task definition. But if we take a look at this example here, uh, we have uh, four separate containers that are part of the same task definition, Um, an NGINX uh, web server that's fronting a Rails application, uh, which is supported by a MySQL backend and a log collector that collects log files from the Rails application. So when you instantiate uh, um, a task definition, you're, you're basically running a task on an ECS cluster. So what does a task definition look like? A task definition is a grouping of containers that you want running together. And you specify all these containers uh, in one file. So if you can see, a task definition has a few separate uh, uh, sections to it, a family, a version. um, And you can utilize this to actually maintain task definition files similarly to how you would maintain your source code uh, via a version number, a, a, a particular name for your task definition. And essentially, a task definition you can utilize it to model your application. So if you if you take a look at this particular uh, format, you see that there's a container definition within the task definition. So when you specify uh, all the containers that you want running together in your task definition, you need to specify uh, exactly what those containers are and from which image should they be launched. So you specify the name of the, the container, the image, and any runtime variables that the task needs to be aware that the task needs to be aware of when launching your container. So, as an example of how this would look, uh, in this in this case, a container, the container definition tells you that the name of the container is a web server. It's it's from the NGINX image. Uh, All CPU, memory, and port mappings also are provided so that when this is launched by the uh, ECS scheduler, it knows that it needs to look for uh, a place on the ECS cluster that has the CPU and memory available. It links to the Rails application, uh, and the essential flag is set to true. So what that means is uh, if this particular container fails, uh, the task will basically, kill all other containers uh, associated with the task definition. Clusters. So you want to be able to take all of your tasks, all of your, that that define your containers together and run them on uh, an ECS cluster. You can define an ECS cluster in two ways. It's a pool of resources to run your tasks, and it's also a, a, basically a grouping of something known as container instances. You can scale this cluster up and down depending upon the requirements that, that you have for your workload. And with con- and container instances that form a cluster, an ECS cluster, is essentially just an EC2 instance uh, that is launched from an ECS-optimized uh, AMI. Uh, when you uh, utilize an ECS, the ECS-optimized AMI, it comes with an ECS agent. Uh, The ECS agent essentially is what will talk uh, to the state management system and registers your instance into an ECS cluster. Our our ECS agent is actually open source, so it is available uh, on our uh, GitHub repo, so you can actually download it uh, and install it on another instance type if you don't want to use the ECS-optimized AMI. And your ECS cluster can actually contain EC2 instances of varying types. Uh, It does not have to be the same EC2 instance type. So just a few recommended design patterns, things that you want to consider when you're running your batch workload on ECS. So the first thing is being able to trigger your batch processes with Lambda. So what this uh, provides you is uh, the ability to um, use S3 as your definitive source of data input and data output. Um, S3 is a supported event source by Lambda. So whenever data or a batch job gets inputted in your S3 bucket, it will trigger a Lambda function uh, that can immediately start running a task on your ECS cluster uh, with the data input from S3. And recently, Lambda actually released environment variables, so you can utilize those environment variables to tell Lambda that when this data gets inputted into S3, I want you to take this data and run it on this particular ECS cluster with, uh, using this particular task definition. Uh, The next design pattern is creating a fleet of workers with ECS and SQS. Uh, So in this case, the ECS service uh, would, uh, your your task definition, your container that's running in your task definition would call the SQS queue and receive the job. And what this does is this this particular architecture pattern extends uh, the capabilities of ECS to support event driven ECS tasks and also extends the capability of Lambda uh, to provide uh, more, to provide uh, uh, the ability to run. Uh, batch processes, workloads, or any type of workload that exceeds the Lambda uh, uh, time limit. So in this case, um, depending upon which event source uh, that you want to use, whether it's a put to an S3 bucket, a put to a DynamoDB table, or a Kinesis stream, uh, you can trigger a Lambda function that will take that data, uh, input that data into an SQS queue, and automatically also start running a task that will go pull the data from, pull the batch job details from your SQS queue and start running it on your cluster. One of the last patterns I wanted to talk about was long-running batch jobs. So when you, um, uh, I mentioned previously that Amazon provides two types of built-in scheduler, and one of, built-in schedulers and one of, that schedule, one of those schedulers is for running uh, long-running processes. So ECS allows you to run and maintain a specified number of instances of a task definition. Uh, and you, when you do that, when you specify that, you're essentially creating something known as an ECS service. So, if any of those tasks should actually fail or stop, the service scheduler will automatically know that I need to maintain this many number of this of this task and this task definition, and it will automatically uh, start one more task uh, to make sure that it is keeping the number the number of desired tasks running at all times. And in this case, you want to be able to utilize uh, spot instances since you're dealing with long running uh, uh, processes. um, If it's if if you know that you know there's there's not a, a set time restriction. Uh, you can utilize spot instances or spot fleet uh, to make sure that you can keep your costs down. Uh, spot block also is, is useful for if you know the defined duration of what your workload is. Spot block provides a way for you to reserve spot instances for a certain period of time. In order for monitoring a a cluster, an ECS cluster, and the ECS tasks running on that cluster for long-running processes, uh, ECS recently released uh, something known as ECS Event Stream for CloudWatch events, and this will send you near real-time notifications of, uh, of the current state of your ECS cluster as well as the current state of all the tasks running on your cluster. So just a few best practices to keep in mind. Um, store any type of persisted data and state uh, you know, in S3 or some other persisted storage. Um, try to minimize dependencies between task definitions. Try to keep as many dependencies as possible within the same task definition so you're linking all of that together. Uh, use spot instances and spot fleets to optimize cost. And then continuously monitor the state of your cluster using ECS API since you have access to that. Uh, Utilize a shared pool of resources. There's, there's a lot of debate around you know, how many clusters should I run. You know, should I run one cluster per app? Um, that's, that, that it, again, it's, it's more or less a design decision that you make, but the more you're able to utilize you know, uh, your infrastructure as much as possible by sharing pools of resources, um, the better uh, utilization and cost profile you will be able to realize. And of course, take advantage of all of the services that ECS integrates with. Um, auto scaling—you can create an auto scaling ECS cluster so that it will scale automatically based on CloudWatch metrics. Um, launch your ECS cluster inside of a VPC. Uh, control access to your cluster utilizing IAM, and then utilize scheduled reserved instances if you know that you, you need this much. You know the capacity of uh, what your workload requires. So I want to introduce Will White, who's the engineering lead from Mapbox, and he's going to talk to you a little bit about how uh, Mapbox runs Batch on ECS. Thank you.
1: Thanks. Hey, everyone. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I, I'm Will White, I'm on the, the platform team at Mapbox, and if you were in the previous keynote. Uh, this might be a little bit of a review about what Mapbox is or, or you, you might have seen uh, our CEO Eric on stage during during the keynote with Werner this morning. Um, Mapbox is about adding location to, to any application. Um, we have customizable uh, location services like like maps that help you see the world in, in stunning detail. Geocoding, which is our, our search that helps you find uh, locations and addresses and directions, which which helps people get from point A to point B on time. Uh, we work with a lot of customers uh, that are able to take our, our SDKs and drop them into their app. And together, all of our tools sort of come together, and the goal is to help change the way people move around the world. The Weather Channel is using us in their iOS and Android app to render animated radar and satellite uh, maps. And they're also using us Our search to help people find the weather for specific locations really quickly. Airbnb is using us on the web, our JavaScript SDK, and they have a custom marker that shows the price for properties that are available to rent. And then someone like CNN, they're using us uh, to help people understand where news is happening. Uh, They have a custom satellite base map and a custom street map. And then uh, National Geographic, they have an amazing. City guides app that uses uh, Mapbox to help guide users on, on amazing walking tours of, of the world's most iconic cities. Mapbox is powering over 55,000 apps, and we reach, our API reaches over a quarter billion users every month, uh, unique users, it's, and that number growing. So, uh, in order to provide maps for all of these customers, we we need to process a lot of data. So, batch processing is is a, a pretty critical element at Mapbox. We've really split our services into two groups. We have our batch processing group, we have our API group. We're using AC, uh, ECS for both, but of course today we're going to focus on the batch processing. I want to walk through two use cases. Uh, this is an image that that comes from uh, the MODIS satellite. We get one of these every day. Uh, and uh, the the biggest problem that you can see with with an image like this is the cloud cover. Um, it's an incredible resource, uh, but uh, and the fact that it comes every day means that we have a lot of data. But we r- really want to find a way to get rid of those those clouds. So the way we do this is basically doing a lot of pixel pushing. So we we. Uh, organize the various images that we get over the course of uh, maybe several months to up to a year, and we sort them by brightness. So what this gives us is is the images, the darkest images are the most likely to not be covered by clouds. So, so we've really pushed all the cloud cover images to the bottom of the stack. Then what we do is we take the top of the stack, uh, maybe the first 20%, and we average those pixels together. Um, and if you do the math out on this, we're talking about trillions of pixels across that cover the world, and over two petabytes of data that we have to process uh, this way, the satellite imagery. Uh, that's because we have the entire world covered, and we have the entire world covered for every day of the year. Um, the, the output is a gorgeous, cloudless, totally artificial map of the world. That uh, you know you've never seen a cloudless day like this on in, in the in the UK, but um, we're able to use this technique to make a very very uh, crisp picture of the world, and, and it's really really great for data visualization. Another use case that we use ECS for batch processing um, is building our traffic map. A lot of a lot of you have probably seen a traffic map like this. Um, I. I I don't know if if you've ever wondered how it works. Well, the way it works at Mapbox is we collect billions of of individual points from our uh, users of our SDK, and we anonymize those, aggregate them, clean them up, and snap them to the road network. So it starts to look like this. Um, So instead of those individual points, we now have, uh, through a lot of processing, we've been able to snap them to to the road network. There's another example this data is covering entire cities here's uh here's where i'm based washington dc um we we cover many cities and entire continents with this data um so it's it's a huge amount of data in fact it's it's 3 billion points every day and that that equates to about 100 million miles of of worth of coverage that we're getting every day and in processing into um, in, into things like our traffic map. We also have other use cases for it, like detecting one-ways or turn restrictions, uh, find, discovering entirely new parts of the road network when, when things change or change in traffic patterns. Um, it's, it's incredibly useful data that helps helps us make a better map for our customers and really improves the, the quality of uh, the transportation, helps people get around. So in both of these use cases... Uh, we, we noticed that, when, as we went to build them, we noticed that we were fo- seeing similar aspects of the patterns that we were falling to to execute. And uh, EC, you know, obviously, you're going to have EC2 instances. Um, you're going to want to be able to scale that up, scale that down um, very quickly. Uh, we, we're always using an SQS queue um, so to, to queue up our work, because we have data coming in. We want to create SQS messages for that and then execute execute on those messages. And one of the biggest things that, that I think we overlooked at first, and, and I encourage you to pay close attention to, is error handling and reporting. Basically, what are your failure states, and how do you want to handle them? Um, so so that was one of the, the most important things for us to figure out. And those three points really encouraged us to to build a sort of abstract, some of the complexities around this, and build a tool that we call Watchbot. So Today, I want to introduce WatchBot. Um, This is an open source tool that we're releasing to everybody. It's at um, github.com slash mapbox slash ECS-WatchBot. WatchBot is a library to to help you run highly scalable AWS services uh, that perform data processing. and here it says, in response to external events, what that means is any message that you can put into an SQS queue, you can uh, run WatchBot on. So the way this works is you basically provide a container. You provide, it, it provides an SQS queue. You provide a container, a cluster. And that container contains uh, it describes what work you actually want to execute, and it will take care of the rest. So, yeah, again, open source. I highly encourage everyone to check it out. um, github.com slash mapbox slash ecs dash watchbot. Here's the basic architecture. Uh, Again, you you have your SQS queue that's provided by Watchbot. Uh, You have an ECS cluster that you also uh, provide, and I can uh, show an example of how to provide that in a second. And then ECS provides a... uh, Sorry, Watchbot provides a Watchbot container, a watcher container that that pulls the SQSQ and then runs the individual tasks for you for each message that it gets. Um, one thing that we're doing is is uh, very often our, our ECS cluster is a is a, a spot fleet and it's a spot fleet of diversified instance types. And that diversification helps us avoid interruptions in the spot spot market. So spot you can bid on unused capacity in the on the EC2 market. Uh, and get EC2s at a fraction of the normal price. But in order to use it at scale, you really need to diversify, because if the, if the spot market uh, demand goes way up on a particular instance type, uh, you want to be able to move your application, distribute your application across the remaining available, uh, the re- remaining available instance types. And that's really important. So the combination of SpotFleet and ECS is, is, is kind of uh, magnificent. So the cool thing about a Watchbot task is you can do anything you want. Anything that runs in Docker, anything that runs inside a container, you can run in in Watchbot. Uh, you can use any language. Uh, it uses environment variables as its input. I'll, I'll go into exactly which ones are important in a second. And it uses standard bash exit codes as a, as a success or failure indicator. Um, you can control basically the, the retry pattern, success, or failure using exit codes. It's very intuitive, uh, and it makes it very easy, a very easy interface. You can do any I.O. you want, um, including using S3. That's the, that's the number one thing that we use. Source data on S3, pull it down on S3, do some processing, and then put the outputs back on S3, or in some cases DynamoDB as well. So, looking at the environment variables um, there 's a subject which is the subject of uh, the s q s message, and then a, the message itself and that's that 's probably the most important thing to to be aware of is the message. There are a few other things here that are very useful sent timestamp, so you can react you, know, you can say, "Oh, this message was created you know twelve days ago. Uh, you can take some sort of action uh, based on how old the original timestamp is approximate um, receive." Uh, count is another, another really useful one for some more advanced uh, control on how jobs are processed. But the most important one is, is a message. Uh, the message can be any format you want, and uh, as long as your task is ready to uh, parse it. And JSON is, for us, JSON is the most popular one. In the demo I'm going to give later, uh, we just use standard text, just straight straight-up text. But JSON is a really nice way. You can sort of make a structured document. You can have properties that refer to files on S3 or documents in DynamoDB inputs and outputs. So JSON, as long as your task is ready to do a a JSON parse, then JSON is a really good choice for a message format. Uh, Exit codes, uh, pretty straightforward. Again, zero uh, standard bash exit code means success. Um, there are a few other exit codes that are sort of reserved for for WatchBot. WatchBot treats uh, exit code three as a as a reject, and it will um, remove it from the queue and send a notification to an SNS topic. So you can hook that SNS topic up to PagerDuty or just have it email you uh, directly if you don't want to share that that burden. Um, but this is a really good way to uh, know when things are going wrong on your data processing which is incredibly important again monitoring is very important when you're when you're doing massive amount of data processing because the worst is when you wake up in the morning and you learn that you spent you know too much money doing data processing on something that has been failing all night so monitoring for sure exit code 4 is a no op which means the the message is going to be returned to the queue um and and, and that's silent and then any other exit code at all is um an error so if you want to use any other bash program inside that returns a, another exit code, it's going to be treated as an error. There's even more features, and the, they're all listed in the readme. The documentation's incredible. Um, the, it has features like logging, so it will automatically log, uh, write its application logs to CloudWatch, to a CloudWatch log group. Um, and those can be forwarded from the log group to other services like Splunk or SumoLogic or any, any log ag- aggregation service that you want for further analysis. Um, you can send the alarms to SNS, as I mentioned. This is really powerful. Um, and it also has reduce mode, which is sort of a, this is a newer feature. So you can pro- uh, process a couple thousand messages, and then, uh, you can give it a job. It will split that up into a couple thousand messages, distribute it horizontally across a fleet of EC2s, and then when all those, that, that's the map part, and when the, when the, those jobs are done, it can run a reduce step, which will, Maybe combine all the output files into one, or maybe count up a result of the output, or summarize it in some way. So reduce mode is a, a really, really cool feature. Along with the reduce mode, it also is giving you uh, progress tracking, so you can see, you know, 50 percent done, 60 percent done, all the way up to 100 percent done. So you can sort of see where you are in the task management. So that's a, that's a new feature. Um, a lot, big question I get a lot of times is, is you know, how do you decide? You know why aren't you using Lambda for these kinds of things? Um, in fact, we've been working on WatchBot for a long time, and when Lambda first came out, we really were excited, and uh, because we thought we could replace Lambda with with a lot of things. But um, Lambda, we do use, make heavy use of Lambda. We use it in for many, many, many use cases. We have hundreds, maybe even over a thousand functions in our account, so we definitely use it wherever possible. But it does have some limitations that that we that that make it tough to use in every situation. Um, Lambda, um, WatchBot gives us full control over the um, execution environment. So if you need to do something weird like change something at the OS level, override the C standard library, we do this. Um, And you can do this in WatchBot. Uh, You cannot do this in Lambda because you're sort of uh, focused on on the specific language that you pick when you configure your function there 's no The biggest one I think is there 's no limit on execution time. You can have your your ECS job run as long as you want. We have jobs that while i don 't encourage it they can run for hours or even days um, in general you, best practices to keep your jobs uh, small and short because that means you can uh, horizontally scale them easier but uh, that 's not always possible so Watchbot gives you no limit on execution time. There's no memory limits, which is pretty amazing. So as long as you're fitting within the memory limit of the EC2 that's in the fleet that you're running, or the cluster you're running, then you'll you'll be okay on memory limits. And you know, with something like the X1, I don't think you you'll be able to run out of memory too quickly. no concurrency limits. So Lambda, one of the biggest things is, is you'll, you might run into a concurrency limit or account-wide throttling on your account. Um, so you have one bad uh, one Lambda function that's on bad behavior. It's using a lot of uh, function calls, and that can actually disrupt other calls, prevent other calls from being made, because there's an account-wide throttling, uh, account-wide invocation limit that can cause throttling. We've run into that a few times, and that's just not an issue with with ECS. Um, the one thing that I will flag And this is a little confusing on the slide I'm realizing Is that um, a Watchbot doesn't support DynamoDB streams or Kinesis yet That's coming soon But Lambda is actually pretty good for this So we do use Lambda What we typically do We'll, we'll have uh, hook up a Lambda function To a DynamoDB stream uh, Or a Kinesis stream And then, uh, then fire a Watchbot job Into the queue so one gotcha I want to flag real quick is that the ECS-optimized um, uh, AMI is EBS boot. Um, and one of the things we've run into is there are two things with EBS that w- one uh, reasons we don't actually use it. One is um, performance, and the other one is cost. So uh, I'll start with the, the cost. Um, when you, when you get to running on the spot market and you're running EC2s at 90% what the normal price is, uh, keep in mind that EBS volumes that come with the, an EBS boot instance are charged at full price. There's no discount to to an EBS boot volume. So uh, you might be saying, well, instead of $0.40 cents an hour I, for this instance, I'm actually I'm paying $0.08 cents an hour. That's a really good deal. Let me, let me spin up. A thousand of them, and, and this is what we've done. But then later, only to realize that our, our EBS bill is very high because we're just not used to running that many instances. So, Spot unlocks the ability for you to uh, pay, afford to run thousands of instances. So just watch out for the EBS problem, where you still charge, still pay full price for EBS. And then the other thing we found is that it's, it's just for, for the kind of data processing that we do, even with a lot of the uh, amazing performance improvements that have been made over the last few, few years with EBS, um, we just can't get it to the performance, uh, to, to get to the performance that we want, uh, versus Instant Store, which is just there. It's just available. It comes with the instance for free. It, it's uh, you get it with the price you pay on the spot market, and the the results are pretty pretty astonishing. So what we've done, just a heads up that the EBS the ECS optimized AMIs are EBS boot only, and we've rolled our own AMI that is instance store. Um, so I want to do a quick demo. This is another open source tool. Well, it's sort of our open source implementation. It's called ECS Telephone, uh, which is sort of a a little bit of a toy implementation for um, using ECS, Um, also also a public repo. In the process here, you're going to get to see a little bit about some of the tooling that we've built at Mapbox around using ECS and also just using uh, AWS. I'm going to make this bigger. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to do is log into my AWS account. So we do everything through a tool called uh, MBX for Mapbox. It's our Mapbox CLI. So all of the, uh, the engineers at Mapbox are uh, generally set up on this in the first couple of days that they they work at Mapbox. Um, and the way I log in is I have Authenticator on my phone, so I'm using um, two-factor authentication to log into my account. This is everybody does two-factor authentication. To get credentials So this code for the next 60 seconds It's going to work <laughs> Then to log into the console I just run mbx login It's going to spit out a, a URL I can click on And now I'm in, uh, I'm in, I'm in my console So uh, I'm in a git repo here This is the ECS telephone repo And I can see what files are in here um, there's a Docker file. there's an index.js, there's a uh, package.json, because this is a Node.js project, project. We can look at the code really quick. Um, so this is a very, very simple example, a very simple script that basically takes the message. You can see um, the message is coming in here on this line through uh, process.env, so it's an environment variable. Uh, and then... That message is we're picking a random word from the message. So I'm going to send a, a sentence uh, to this to this task. And it's going to pick a random word from that sentence and replace it with another random word. It's sort of a silly project, but uh, it's a good demo. Um, so we're using the random words module from NPM to, to accomplish that. Then what we do with the sentence is we just feed it back into itself. So it's, that's why it's called telephone. It's like playing a game of telephone uh, with itself. So it's just going to perpetually um, feed more messages into itself. So in order to see what I'm going to create a new stack, we we create all stacks. um, All of our resources at at Mapbox we create with CloudFormation, and we have a tool uh, that we wrote to make this a little easier. Um, I'm going to create a new one called reInvent. So we sort of uh, actually I'm going to list the ones we have now. So, I have one stack running called ECS Telephone Staging. I'm going to create a new one called uh, Reinvent. So, again, this is going to be using CloudFormation to do all the setup, and uh, it's a it's a really good way to keep track of your your infrastructure. Infrastructure as code is is um, you know being able to commit infrastructure changes to to get is incredible. So it's going to prompt me for the cluster ID. And a lot of people ask, you know, how many clusters do you run at Mapbox? And uh, the answer is, we run four per region. We have a dedicated cluster for data processing. Uh, We have a staging and a dev version of that. And then we have a dedicated cluster for API services. And we have staging and dev for that. So we have four clusters. And then we have four clusters in every AWS region. so I, I know some people are setting up an ECS cluster one per app or or something like that. But as Asha mentioned, um, you're you might not be getting the most out of um, sharing resources if you if you do something like that. Uh, so check out um, check out try try minimizing the number of clusters you're running. So I'm going to search for the ECS cluster that I want to deploy this to. Um, ECS cluster processing staging. And I'm going to get the cluster ID. So I just copied this as from the output of the CloudFormation stack and, and paste it in here. I'm ready to create the stack. I'm going to create the stack. So now going back to the console, let me make this bigger. So now we can see the, the crate is in process. Also got some nice output on the from, from Mapbox CLI. So Mapbox CLI, just a quick note, is wrapping a tool that we've open-sourced as well called CFN-config, github.com slash mapbox slash cfn-config. That's what's generating the output there. It's, uh, MBX is just wrapping around that. So uh, if you're looking for a way to, uh, a nice way, developer-friendly way to use um, cloud formation from the CLI, um, check that out. It's a really good good project. So we can see we're creating a a, a topic. Uh, this is an SNS topic. We're creating a queue. We're creating uh, IAM role so that we our, our stack has permission to uh, access certain resources. It needs to access. Um, Things like um, S3, if you want to give it access to S3, or DynamoDB for, for um, t- getting inputs or, or, or delivering outputs. And now we're creating the service. OK, and this is taking a little long. So I'm going to use the staging stack as a, as a, as a demo now. Um, because this is taking a little bit of time. So the way um, you want to get to CloudWatch logs, so we're going to see the logs. So I'm I'm going to SNS, and the the way you actually push a message into WatchBot is through its SNS topic. Um, So I'll search here for telephone. I'm going to use staging, and here's the WatchBot topic. And then I'm going to go to CloudWatch Logs, and ECS telephone staging. Here we go. Oh, it's complete. So I'm going to publish a message to the topic. Here's the log group uh, for the stack that I just created. There's nothing in it. Watchbot is running, so that's the only message that's there. But otherwise, it's, it's ready to go. It's ready to, to receive work. And I'll give this a nice subject. Uh, I'll call it reInvent. And then the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Um, so provide my sentence. And then I'm going to publish this message. So it's published. And now what we're going to start to see is, is WatchBot's going to, uh, again, for every time we get that, that, uh, that message, going to pick a random word, replace that word with another random word, and then feed the message back into to WatchBot. So we got the message here. Um, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. That's the first time we've seen it. I'm going to refresh again. Okay, not getting any other messages. While we wait for that, looking at the code again, Um, if you look at the code here, it's very easy to see how you can start to bring in other uh, JavaScript libraries. You can start to make this a lot more sophisticated. So this is a very simple simple demo, but um, it, it, it. it goes a long way from here. This is where you can start to add in, and it doesn't have to be Node.js either. You can you can run on any language. Okay, I was expecting a, a lot more messages than this. Let me check the other one. Oops. This one broke. Well, there's nothing like a live demo. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, that, so that's, uh, that's all I had. Can we go back to the slides? Thanks. Um, so yeah quick demo um, gives you a sense of of what you can do I, obviously it's a little it 's a little goofy, but um, you can really extend that to to, to um, get a lot of power in your batch processing um, so just to summarize some of some metrics from um, our deployment on, on ECS. Um, we're running 14 data processing services in addition to our 21 API uh, services. So that's 14 services that are dedicated to just doing data processing and batch. Um, we're, we've peaked at uh, 3,500 uh, container instances running in, in our cluster. Um, so it's a pretty, pretty massive amount of computing, and that's distributed over a variety of different instance types. And we're on track this year to use... Um, over 500 million hours of compute, which is a pretty, pretty massive scale. Uh, that's all I have. Thanks. Um, please, please, uh, I encourage you to fill out the evaluation for the, for this se- session and, and we'll hang out up here to uh, take any questions you have. Happy to talk through, uh, ECS, Spotfleet, uh, Watchbot. And again, check out Watchbot, ECS Watchbot on GitHub. Thank you.